This is the Ignition Point, Clayton Bradley Academy's podcast, where every day we work to help students excel through critical thinking, problem solving, collaboration, and use of our lifelong guidelines and life skills. Today's podcast is going to feature the lower school guidance counselor, Kim Hedrick, as we talk about restorative practice and the power of emotion. Power of emotion is one of the chapters in the Exceeding Expectations to book that talks about the model of instruction that we use at CBA. And so the first part of this podcast is going to look at restorative practice and how that's used as a behavior process uh, here at our school where we implement lifelong guidelines, life skills. We look at community impact. We look at how to help our community recover whenever something has gone wrong, things like that. The second part of the podcast for next week will feature the power of emotions and the connection of emotions into everything that we do in learning. At this time, we join the podcast with Kim Hedrick and Kendall Terry. We'd like to welcome to the podcast today, Kim Hedrick. Kim Hedrick is our lower school guidance counselor and is coming out of a training session that we just did with our staff on restorative practice and uh, chapter nine in Exceeding Expectations 2, which is called The Power of Emotions. And these are two very important um, elements of not just our model, but in everything that we do in the classroom. And so recognizing the importance of emotions and, and both negative and positive emotions, but then also looking at restorative practice. And that's actually where we want to start is the restorative practice process that we use here at Clayton Bradley Academy. And so um, sometimes people just kind of look at it as that uh, like discipline policy, but that's not how we approach restorative practice in any way. And so um, it is uh, part of maybe you would say a discipline policy in our school of, of, you know, how do we deal with things when when it doesn't all go as planned. Mm -hmm. Uh, But um, there's a lot that goes into restorative practice that hopefully keeps you from uh, that discipline side of of the policy. And so uh, one, we want to just welcome you, Kim, to the podcast. Thank you. And uh, we just want to jump in here, starting to talk about um, restorative practice, because we know that uh, we're dealing with humans, right, from preschool through 12th grade. And when you deal with humans, uh, we would love for it to just be that, like, everybody loves everybody and everybody always gets along. And, mm-hmm. But that's not the real world, right? Right. And right. so uh, there's a lot that goes into our classrooms where we're building community, we're building relationships. We're setting the procedures and the and and the tone of, of how we're going to interact with each other, um, and so that's a real big piece of the restorative practice model. I know yesterday, uh, when you were working with our staff, um, you started with a, a circle with our, our groups, which is a big part of restorative practice that community right. circle, mm-hmm. and. Uh, listening to some of the responses you asked that question of what does restorative practice mean and and as it goes around the room and i mean every staff member every faculty member is saying what they think of when it comes to restorative practice i, I it was one of those like halfway through is like man i wish some of this was being recorded because it was so powerful hearing our teachers say because it wasn't i don't know that anybody talked about discipline you know i don't know right. that no anybody yeah. talked about anything like uh, it none of it was a negative of well when things go bad this is it it was the, the responses from our staff were uh, just amazing you know hearing them talk about community voice um, power you know uh, that self-confidence of being able to speak up for yourself of it it was just an awesome experience to start that way it really was um and you know we're st- 
as I started sharing with the teachers, we talked about how restorative practices is just um, a beautiful fit for learning centered, uh, our learning centered um, teaching uh, style or method. Um, and the uh, importance of building relationships, like you mentioned. And we heard that, like you said, across the room. We even have, you know, when you do community circle, uh, you can often have a talking piece so that uh, everyone is heard. And I had a peanut butter and jelly because I think uh, restorative practices and our uh, method of teaching go together so beautifully. Um, and you're right, so many of them talked about building relationships, taking ownership. Uh, we know the importance of students taking ownership uh, and responsibility for their actions. And um, right, like you said, that everyone has a voice. And that's restorative practices, everyone's needs are addressed. Yeah. And everyone's heard and, um, and validated, right? And we know, we know that's so important. And it really was neat to hear across the board from preschool teachers to high school um, that we all understand the importance of those things. Yeah. And, you know, I loved hearing our staff just talk about that, not just hearing, uh, not just being able to say your feelings, but hearing what somebody else's feelings are. I think, you know, in the world that we live in right now, of uh, so many people are thinking about what they're saying next or what their opinion is or what they want somebody to hear, and they're not taking the time to just listen to somebody else. And the power that comes whenever you as an individual feel heard, um, that empowers you. It f makes you feel like you actually have a place in the community then, that you're a valued member of the community. Um, and isn't that what we want all of our kids to feel? Exactly. You know, exactly. we want all of our adults to feel that too, that they're a valued member of our community. And so not just the speaking part, but the listening part of the, the restorative practice. Um, so why don't you give us a little bit of background? People listening might not uh, have any idea what restorative practice is and, and that sort of thing. So um, you've done a lot of training. Uh, you and Sarah, our upper school guidance counselor, have done a lot of training in restorative practice. Um, kind of give a little bit of an outline of, of what is restorative practice when we say that. We kind of know uh, because mm -hmm. of the stuff we've been in what we're talking about, but mm -hmm. someone listening might not. Um, and like I said, some people only ever hear restorative practice whenever it gets to a certain point in the process, but we really start restorative practice way before we have a, a problem happen in the, exactly. in, in the classroom. So kind of give a little bit of background to what restorative practice is, lay it out a little bit for the listeners, and then we'll kind of delve into some of the steps we have here at CBA. Right, right. So, um, so overall, restorative practices is, it's um, uh, looking at building those relationships, uh, letting people know um, and understand what expectations are. It's, uh, it's making those positive connections. And um, like, like we were saying, you know, everyone having a voice, everyone being heard, um, and, uh, you, you know, knowing what the expectations are. And our life skills and lifelong guidelines are very foundational, yes. right? Um, because they're, they're so integral to who we are here. So, um, those are a big part of the foundation of our restorative practices. And, you know, this is coming right off of a podcast that I did with the principals um, on on lifelong guidelines and life right. skills and how we use that from preschool all the way up through 12th grade. Mm -hmm. um, so when you're a teacher in the classroom and you're setting up a classroom that, that is looking at using restorative practices, 
Um, what are some of those things? We just talked about circles. What What is that? Um, and I know that's a huge part of restorative practice. So what are some things that teachers are doing to establish those relationships, to set expectations, uh, to use circles, that sort of thing in their classroom? Right. So um, this is this is always happening here at Clayton Bradley Academy. But I'm, um, you know, here at the beginning of the school year, I'm I'm going into classrooms, and um, the teachers are working really hard on setting up uh, procedures so that um, everyone knows what's expected. We have the agenda, so there's no surprises. The students know what the day is going to look like, and that's very important. We know the brain needs needs that. Um, and they are, they're using circles in the morning. They can be used to um, s- simply like, how was your weekend? And we go around and we, uh, the students share about that. So they're, the, the teachers and the students are getting to know each other. The students are finding things that they have in common. Um, community circles can also be used to resolve conflict. If there's something maybe that happens on brain break, you know, it's a great way when we come back in, we circle up and we talk through it. Um, it's, it's a positive way um, to, to work through conflict as well. Uh, we get to know each other better with those. We can set goals. We can, uh, as a class, talk about things that we want to work on. But um, it's really, you know, right now I'm seeing a lot of um, students understanding what the procedures are, what the expectations are. They're getting to know each other. They're getting to know the teacher. And we know how crucial that is. Um, in, in making those positive connections. Yeah. yeah, and I know, you know, a couple of years ago, I remember teachers talking about several classes were having issues with the Gaga Pit. The Gaga Pit is, a you know, it, it's loved by many, <laughs> yes, um, but it can also uh, create some conflict out right. on the playground, right? Right. And so I remember uh, the teachers at the lower school specifically, they had gotten together with their students. They had talked about, well, what are the rules that everybody's going to follow? And, and as a lower school community had developed, like, okay, right. here are the rules everybody's going to come up with. And then the teachers were able to share that in that community circle uh, setting and right. saying, okay, if, if we all agree to follow these rules when we're out there playing, then everybody can play and have a good time, right? right? And so it's not just about waiting until the moment of, okay, now we're having a problem with, we just need to remove this kid because they're not playing fair. Or right. It's looking at that whole environment and saying, okay, what can we do to help this be an enjoyable experience for everybody? Um, and that's where really the thing I love about restorative practice and not being a discipline mo- policy is it looks at how can we make the community operate in a positive way and when there's areas that aren't uh, going well or areas that maybe are not following a good a good track we can see where this is heading go we don't want to get too far down this road Mm -hmm. we can back up as a community and say okay as a community how are we going to fix this problem Um, and the lower school teachers did a great job in and using student feedback to say okay what are some rules that we want to make sure everybody's following um, and then they printed them, they had them with them on the right. playground, you know, and all that to say, okay, we know this can be a source of contention because you get out there, it gets competitive, right? Mm-hmm. And, and yeah. every kid does not always handle that competitive environment the same. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we want it to be an enjoyable experience for everybody. And so I love the community focus of this, of let's talk through this. Let's hear your ideas. Uh, it can still be competitive. Mm-hmm. It can still be high energy. Mm-hmm. It can still be... Um, a thing that everybody can enjoy, but let's make sure everybody understands the rules here. Let's make sure everybody mm-hmm. understands so that everybody can enjoy the game, and it's right. not just the a small handful over here that play a certain way are able to enjoy the game. Right. And they and they have a um, 
like like we've said before, they have a voice in it. They're heard. It's not just a hear the rules and it's and it's uh, you know punitive and doled out. But you have a voice. You're a part of the problem solving process. Um, and so there's that ownership, right? Yeah. Uh, when you're involved in the in the whole process. And and I remember even the discussions of okay, if we're you know if everybody agrees and we follow these, then you know everything's good. If we see there's problems, it's also still not that discipline of well, you won't be able to play. It's right. how are we going to resolve a conflict uh, that takes place? How are we going to resolve? Maybe you thought I was out. Maybe I didn't think I was out. How are we going to resolve that? So that we're teaching kids how to have those skills in the moment even. Absolutely. Um, and I know Josh Counts uh, is great at mm-hmm. this in the gym. Mm-hmm. Once again, high, high competitive environment at times. Mm-hmm. Um, and he'll talk about ways that he uses that to say, okay, here's the rules. Remember, if there's conflict, this is how we're going to resolve that conflict. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's rock, paper, scissors. Uh, sometimes it's, right. you know, what, mm-hmm. there's, there's compromise along the way. But as long as everybody knows what it is and you get in that heated environment, okay, what is, what's the way we're going to solve this that everybody knows? So that we can solve it and move on and we can still play and have fun and we don't let this one incident then just shut the whole game down for everybody. Right, right. Um, And I know we've talked about with Gaga Ball and kind of sports, but um, this happens in all kinds of areas. I know brain break seems to be uh, sometimes that area that that conflict arises uh, more than others because you just got kind of free play happening at times and and somebody's accidentally hitting somebody else or running into somebody or getting hit by a ball Mm -hmm. or something like that. Um, but it also happens in the classroom. It happens in group settings, right? right group right. projects can be uh, very confrontational uh, at mm-hmm. times, right? You get in a group and you have a disagreement mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and or you don't feel like somebody's doing the right thing. Well, once again, restorative practice is a, exactly. is a part of that. Um, and so our teachers set high procedures and expectations uh, for those environments. Um, so why don't we look at uh, kind of that process of restorative practice here at the school. We've got some steps that we teach our, mm-hmm. our teachers to, to use and to follow. Mm-hmm. And so why don't you go through that? You were uh, involved in setting these up and then in helping mm-hmm. train our teachers so that we see how this process actually works. Right, right. And so we actually have a five-step um, plan, restorative practices plan here. And like we've, we've talked about, those first two steps are very foundational in Um, developing relationships, letting the students know the expectations, making those positive connections. Um, But like we said, you know, there's going to be conflict, right, Mm -hmm. Uh, to work through. And that's where step three comes into place. Um, And the four R's are step three. It's remind, it may be a simple uh, reminder to the student of, of what the appropriate behavior or expectation is. It could be a redirection. I've seen this in um, kindergarten this year. You know, we're they're learning procedures. So it might be that we need to go back and look at that. What is what is uh, coming to the circle look like? And that's yeah. a, a redirection. Could be a relocate. We all, even as adults, need that time and space yeah. some time to a pause built in to help us reflect and think about our behavior. And then the fourth R is reflection. Um, and that piece, uh, when we talked about that with the staff yesterday, it could be simply just verbal questions, or we also have uh, Google Forms. Uh, but it's, a, it's a, a way for a student to have that pause and to think about some things like, what, what just happened? What was I thinking? Um, who, who was affected by this? And that's an important part of restorative mm-hmm. practices. It takes that focus off just me, but looking at the impact my choices and my decisions have on those around me. So uh, it's addressing the need, who was affected, and then what, what can be done to make things right? Because um, restorative 
practices is all about restoring things and making things right. And um, what life skill or lifelong guideline can I use to help me make good choices to do to uh, you know to have that appropriate behavior? And so that's a, a reflection piece, um, and it can look different. It looks very different, of course, with preschool. It could just be drawing a picture, that conversation the teacher yeah. has with the student. Um, or, you know, a more formal form with um, a high school student. But then, um, you know, it's not just, uh, you know, doling out here, you do a reflection piece, but then there's conversation about that. And then follow up with that. You know, if the student's making good choices and they're understanding now uh, what the expectations are, or do we need some more support? What, yeah. what does that student need to, to make better choices or to have that appropriate behavior. so And I think a, a, a part that I love so much about that reflection, because I've done these kind of reflections mm-hmm. with students as a teacher in the classroom um, as well, but that sometimes the part that's missed on those reflections is that question of, well, who was harmed by my actions? Because mm-hmm. it's real easy in the moment that, mm-hmm. you know, we're thinking, well, nobody was harmed by this. Like, I just, I wanted this or you know, it, this was just kind of a self-centered thing mm-hmm. and helping a student see that when when you were carrying out that action, it actually had a, an effect on others. And, and sometimes those effects can be positive, sometimes they can be negative. But it's even just recognizing that when I did that, I got other people off task. It's very powerful. Right? Um, or, you know, I prevented the classroom from being able to do maybe this fun activity that everybody wanted to do, but now we ran out of time because my actions kept us from moving to that that final piece and so I actually did have a negative impact then on everybody in my class because that's that's that power of as our kids continue to grow up right and and we talked about this with the principals on life skills life on guidelines Mm -hmm. last time but of you know these individuals are going to eventually be neighbors they're going to be you know people that you're going to interact with in business Mm -hmm. they're going to be community leaders possibly politicians or uh, you know, doctors, lawyers, whatever, you know, they may be going on mm-hmm. to do engineering. Right. Um, and when they get in those environments, recognizing that my impacts are going to affect other individuals. And, and am I acting in a way that has a positive impact on those individuals? Or am I acting in a way that's going to have a negative impact on those individuals in my community? Exactly. And so being able to think through that, man, the power of that. And, and we know that to do that, they've got to, you know, we've got to keep them once again in the frontal lobe as much as possible, even mm-hmm. in those environments where the stress uh, builds up and the emotions build up. Um, it sometimes takes a minute. And that's why mm-hmm. that, that relocate step, right? Um, and when you go around our rooms, you'll see these kind of, some of, some teachers will set up little uh, corners common of their corners, room or common, common corners, corners or mm-hmm. you know where it's it, and it's not like you know go sit in that chair over in the corner it's a lot of times there's soft seating over there uh, I've seen teachers put um, little fidget type stuff over there mm-hmm. um, I've seen uh, like oil diffusers or something that smells you know a way that kind of calms you down when you smell it uh, those are to help you kind of get we know that a lot goes on in the brain when you enter conflict, right? And to help a kid get back into that thinking mode mm-hmm. so that they can really start to look at the impact that, that their actions have on the whole community. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love, you know, hearing our teachers. We do this, like you said, from preschool all the way through 12th grade. And, and it definitely looks different, but we don't let a kid off just because they're younger of that step of recognizing their impact to their community and talking, like you said, talking through that then with somebody Trying to get their brain back into that mode of, of thinking, mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. so that they can hopefully prevent negative consequences in the future. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it's pretty powerful. And that was uh, step three or four. Step three. Step, mm-hmm. step three. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we do have, uh, the model continues to progress, right? So those are, right. that's kind of, we hope that that solves the problem, and, right? And often it does, <laughs> right, right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then what happens if, we, if we've get, gotten through step three with a student or, you know, in a classroom or whatever, what, what, what would be the next steps that would mm-hmm. come if that didn't help mm-hmm. solve the problem? Okay. So we do have then steps four and five, and those are uh, administrative interventions. And step four could look like um, maybe the principal or, you know, me as the counselor. Um, I, I could sit down with two students maybe who are having a conflict. And it's, it's uh, really interesting, you know, just uh, if you're in a calm setting, you've got that little um, step away and they're with me, uh, then we can talk through, you know, how that person is feeling and what happened. And we, we, we talk through that process. Yeah. But just, you know, starting um, laying the groundwork for each person uh, is going to have the opportunity to share what they're, what they're thinking, how they're feeling. Um, how I was affected, so it might look like that. I've also been, uh, you know, the principals, they um, maybe have, if there's a, a bigger group that has been affected, then we could sit down as a, as a large group and talk through how we're feeling, um, what would make things better. Um, mm. You know, not just uh, saying, well, this is what's going to happen, but, you know, like you were saying, let the, letting them have a voice and um, what they think would would make things better and it's amazing uh you know what they come the ideas that they come up with and how it's very meaningful in in restoring those relationships and you know one of the things i love about that step is that once again it's about thinking but it's not letting somebody off with a a quick i'm sorry you know and move on of because we're not talking about something of just like a little disagreement at this point. Typically those are handled, you know, by the classroom and and the classroom teacher and that sort of thing. But, you know, when we're talking about something that has really escalated of looking at somebody a lot of times at that point and just saying, well, I'm sorry. And, you know, you expect them to accept your apology and move on. That, that doesn't heal the community. Right. You know? And so, um, looking at what what can we do as a restorative process mm-hmm. that's part of you know mm-hmm. the name of this is restorative practice mm-hmm. but what can we do as a restorative process to say i recognize that i've harmed my community i'm going to take these steps to mm-hmm. restore my community mm-hmm. you know we've mm-hmm. we've seen this in a lot of creative ways you know we had an individual several years ago um, this individual's actually graduated, not here any longer, uh, that carved his name into uh, one of the playground structures, mm-hmm. I believe it was. Mm-hmm. You know, and so at the point that, you know, he carved his name into it, I mean, obviously you could you could say, well, the they need to pay for that to be fixed or whatever. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't get to the heart of what was going on there. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. then the impact that had, and I know part of that restorative process was working with our maintenance staff uh, for an amount mm-hmm. of time every, every day mm-hmm. or every week, you know, and mm-hmm. and helping part of that, you know, seeing that side of the community of like when somebody does something, somebody else has to come along now and clean it or, mm-hmm. you know, try to, to repair it. And so it was it was a cool process to see the student. And through that process, that student really owned it mm-hmm. um, in a mm-hmm. powerful way. Mm-hmm. And we never had that kind of incident with that right. student again. Right. So uh, maybe it helped solve the problem that right. was going on. Right. And, and, um, you know, it also, so that's, so in restorative practices, we look at the harmer and yep. then the harmed. 
Um, and so, you know, often it's helping the harmer understand and helping that person take ownership and responsibility. But also in the harmed, when I was talking about the larger restorative uh, conference that we had with the principal and several students, it helped the harmed understand um, what was going on in the harmer's mind. And, and oh, we're wow. talking about, you know, lower school students. Yeah. But it was really neat to see them understanding it's not just that person made a bad choice, but these were some things that, that were happening. These were some things that um, that person was thinking. So, you know, you're talking about... Uh, I think very impactful behavior changes yeah. across the board. It's not just, um, you know, that punishment wouldn't wouldn't do that. Real lasting impactful behavior change, I think, comes from these conversations and yeah. these restorative uh, practices. Yeah. And you know, one of the things I heard a teacher say yesterday, which I, I loved, it was a mm-hmm. lower school teacher, mm-hmm. and um, she was actually talking about, you know, she works in in circles with her kids on grace. On, you know, like we let's give some people grace sometimes. Yeah. You know, we let's all not need that. Yeah. right. Let's not assume that what they were doing was really even directed towards me. I right. might have just been the recipient right. of something else that was actually going on. Like you said, hearing the harmer say mm-hmm. what was going on because many times, and I've been in this situation where I was affected or, or harmed by someone, uh-huh. and whenever you really get to the heart of what was going on, it actually had nothing to do with me. Right. Um, it had a lot to do with things that were not even in my control. Mm-hmm. And I've used that as an adult of, you know, thinking about, you know, when I'm in the middle of something, is is what's happening actually directed at me? Are they really mm-hmm. trying to harm me? And sometimes mm-hmm. they are. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but sometimes you can go, oh, there's actually something else going Much on bigger here. bigger picture there, yeah. And, and giving some people some grace, you know. Mm-hmm. And I loved hearing this teacher. Like I said, I, 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 I thought it was great. You know, she was talking about, like, we're going to try to give grace, sure. you know, and, and learn what that is as a lower school student, learn right. what it means to give somebody some grace. Obviously we're not saying give grace to somebody that is hurting you physically. Right. We're not saying yeah. give grace to somebody that's really hurting you emotionally. We're saying, you know, in the moment, let's try to think about, you know, is this actually a, because of something I'm doing or something in my control, or is this maybe something else that's going on? And, and they're having a bad day, and I, that doesn't excuse the action, right? No. The restorative practice does not let that excuse the action. Absolutely not. <laughs> but it does at least provide the conversation, which is what and we're wanting. And an understanding, wanting. right? Yes, mm-hmm. that conversation understanding yeah, yeah. to say, you know, we're humans because yes. there's going to be a time when I'm having a bad day, and, and I hope that somebody gives me some grace uh, in, in my actions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That is awesome. And then that's some administrative input. And obviously mm-hmm. then if, you know, things don't, continue to to help there's you you kind of do have to get to that like discipline right. yes. uh, step but yes in step five uh, uh-huh. but that's a that's kind of a an end a last resort last for resort. us absolutely uh, we don't just jump to that from the very beginning uh, because the goal like you said when you remove somebody from it sometimes you need to remove somebody for a moment we talked about that with relocation but just suspending somebody for x amount of days or you know in some schools a suspend a, a detention or a suspension uh, most of the time that doesn't fix what happened. No, no no behavior change, no learning that takes place, no getting really to the root of, um, yeah, what the what's going on. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, taking the ability to look at it as a community and say, how can we really affect change uh, so that we get better behavior? Affect change. Mm-hmm. Um, now, 
with that being said, the principals also talked about this in the last podcast. Yes. We would love for every kid to come and have all the life skills, you know, mm-hmm. even if they've been here maybe for a couple right. of years, we like, we would love to be able to guarantee, you know, write a contract, right, of, of if you're here X amount of years, you'll have all 19 life, life, life skills, you'll have all five right. lifelong guidelines. Uh, but we know this is a process, right? right? A and process. there's going to be times in your life where you've got it all together. <laughs> exactly. And then there's going to be times in your life when you ain't got nothing together. That's right. That's right. <laughs> and I'll often tell, you know, we'll talk, I'll talk to students. We're all works in progress, right? Right. And we're all learning. And uh, we don't want to stop learning, right? But that's we're right. all works in progress. Yes. This has been the Ignition Point, Clayton Bradley Academy's podcast where every day we work to help students excel through critical thinking, problem solving, collaboration, and use of our lifelong guidelines and life skills. Today's episode was a part one of a two-part series with Kim Hedrick where we're looking at restorative practice and then next week is the power of emotions. If you'd like to find out more about CBA, you can find us on our website www.claytonbradleyacademy.org or on social media sites at CBA STEM or at Clayton Bradley Academy. We hope you have a wonderful day.